because we're talking on perfection this morning, right? So we want it to be perfect. It's good to see you all here this morning. I'm wondering, VCC <clears throat> this morning, this is a significant day in two different, two different ways. As we move through this Memorial Day weekend, we look at it as a time, let's go, let's get out of town, let's do something, and, that, and that's wonderful. And I'm sorry for all of you that couldn't leave town. But I'm glad that you're here. But I'm wondering if we could just pause for just a moment of silence. This is Memorial Day weekend. This is the time when we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. We have freedom in Jesus this morning. Aren't you glad? Amen. But we also have other freedoms that we enjoy because of those who gave themselves. So let's just be silent for a moment and let's thank God. Lord, your word says, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for another. Jesus, we thank you for the fact that you laid down your life for us. But God, also this morning, I am so thankful for those that gave of themselves that I might enjoy the freedoms I have today. So Lord, during this Memorial Day weekend, may we be aware of both of the freedoms that we have. In thy name we pray. Amen. Well, the other thing is it's Pentecost Sunday. How many knew that? You woke up this morning and you said, this is Pentecost Sunday. One, two. Good. Uh, Pentecost means what? Sure. Exactly. Means 50. We celebrate this 50 days after or so. That, that This is the day that, that in the upper room, Jesus promised Holy Spirit came. On the 120 that were gathered up there in prayer. And, and, and those that had walked with Jesus through the years in his ministry here on earth were there in that upper room. And Jesus had told them something, which is very interesting. He told them to go and wait. Now, Jesus is risen from the dead. He's, his disciples are all excited because this thing is really true. Jesus is alive. Thank you. Jesus is alive. <laughs> and they're ready to go. They're ready to go and tell the world about this resurrected Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, guys, here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, one, two, three, I want you to wait. He said, I want you to go into that upper room there in Jerusalem, and I want you to wait. And so that's exactly what they did. They went and they waited. And then on the day of Pentecost, why in the world would Jesus have told them to go and wait? The fact is, is that Jesus knew that though these disciples had a incredible love for Jesus 
and a desire to serve him and live for him, they needed something more. They needed a power beyond themselves to live out this Christian life. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I want to remind you and I this morning, that it takes more than just simply loving Jesus. It takes a power beyond ourselves to live this Christian life. And so when you stand with me, we're going to read a couple of scriptures this morning. I appreciate you standing. It just helps, you know, encourage me. And we're going to read a couple of chapter or a couple of different places. First, we're going to start in the New Testament. I'm kind of a backwards dude. So here we go. Found in Romans chapter 6. We're going to read the first seven verse and verses. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we have been united with him in death like his we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Amen. That's good, that's, that's good stuff right there, folks. Come on now. That's good stuff. And then I want us to run over to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's in the Old Testament. And um, have you ever been up preaching and somebody took Ezekiel out of the Bible? (laughs) Here we go. Ezekiel, and I know I'm supposed to read it off the back wall, but that can't. Ezekiel chapter 36. Here we go. And we're going to be verse 25. I will sprinkle, this is God talking to the children of Israel. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Aren't you glad that we can be clean in Jesus Christ? I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit, small s, in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, Now check this out. And I will put my spirit, capital S, in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Lord, your word for your people for this day. Now bless it, Lord, we're listening in thy name. Amen. You may be seated. You ever taken notice of the change, the difference in the apostles prior to Pentecost and then post-Pentecost. It's an interesting study. It's like night and day. Prior to Pentecost, they struggled. We, we see Peter struggles. We see the other apostles. Jesus is in the garden. He asked them to pray. They slept. He asked them to be with him during this time of need. And they were for just a moment. But then when they came and arrested Jesus, they all fled. Every single one of them. Let me ask you a question. Did they love Jesus? Yes, absolutely they loved Jesus. But there was something that was there that they couldn't, or they were fighting against, if you will. 
Now you go, you go post-Pentecost. They're in the upper room. The Holy Spirit comes. And then there's Peter, who up to this point was a hiding. He was afraid of what might happen to him. He had denied Jesus how many times? Three times. He had cursed Jesus. And all of a sudden now, post-Pentecost, post-Holy Spirit, falling on them that day, all of a sudden he throws the windows open of the upper room and they begin to speak the word of God in languages that they didn't even know. They didn't care if anyone found out. They didn't care what anyone else knew about them. They were ready. Why? There was a change in their life, folks. They loved Jesus before, but something happened in the upper room that gave them a power to live above and beyond anything that they could ever ask or imagine. And what, is, what was true then is still true today. Even after receiving the forgiveness of sin in our life and opening ourselves to the love of Christ, we still find that there's this issue of living victoriously every single day. Jesus knew his disciples needed this power, and he knows that we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need the same power to live in victory in our lives and experience his fresh wind and the power to be free. Once a, a new Christian came up to me and said, Pastor, I know I'm forgiven of all my sins, but I, I struggle with the desire to go back to the old way of life. What do I do? Galatians 5.15 speaks directly to this and says to us, but I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify to the desires of the flesh. Did you hear that? The idea behind this phrase, walk in the Spirit, is that no matter what's happening around me, I keep walking step by step by step. Being led by God looks a lot like a parent that holds the hand of their child. The other day, we were uh, in a parking lot. One of my grandchildren, they were excited about what we were going to do. I don't remember what it was. Maybe go to McDonald's. That's exciting. But all I remember is we got out of the car immediately. Seth began to dart across the parking lot, and I reached out, and I touched him with the hand of love. Right about at his collar. Why? Why would, why, why would I have done that, done that? Well, it's a good thing, because here comes a car. You, you see, it's kind of like that parent who, who holds on or grabs a hold of their child, and I, I know you've all done it once or twice, probably, when you're in that dangerous place. We're protecting, guiding, helping, and keeping us safe. And that's what the Holy Spirit desires to do in our life. It is in that sense to just be free, if you will. You see, every one of us, we're, we're born under this oppressiveness of sin. But that's not the end of the story. And that's what I want you to hear this morning more than anything. The good news of Jesus, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not just forgiveness of sin, but it's that we can be free from the slavery of sin in our life. Paul made it very clear in Romans 6, where we just read. But now you are free from the power of sin in Romans 6. 22, you're free from the power of sin and it becomes slaves to God. You are what? Free. From what? The power of sin. 
It all begins with the belief that this freedom is possible. And, and I'm here to tell you this morning, living a life free from sin is possible in the power of his Holy Spirit. I'm amazed at how many Christians believe that it's impossible to live our lives free from the slavery of sin. You've heard it said, no doubt, that all of us, somehow we sin each day in some way. But I would ask, can you show me in Scripture where it says that? Are we doomed to a life of, of just consistent frustration and failure? Jesus died for more than that, folks. Not at all. The Word of God makes it crystal clear that we can be set free from the power of sin right here, right now. Not next week, not next year, but we can be free from the tyranny of sin here and now. I want you to hear the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 to 25. So I find in, okay, this is Paul. He's Apostle Paul, right? So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Paul was like, man, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. You ever been there? Don't raise your hand. There's been times that I've said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall help? God, I need you. And then I'm reminded, thanks be to God who delivers me, who delivers Greg through Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. He says, don't let, here's the key, do not, in, in verse 12 of chapter 6, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Did you hear what the scripture said? Don't let sin reign where? Me. That's me right now. Right here. This body. Don't let sin reign here. So our first step in finding and living in, in this freedom is to understand that without complete surrender, without dying, if you will, Paul uses death language all through the book of Romans. Without this complete surrender and this dying of our lives to his Holy Spirit's power, he says we're slaves to sin, but God can set us free. When we're born, thank God for Adam and Eve, right? And they blew it. If God would have put me and Myrna in the garden, it would have been cool. Why? Because I don't eat apples with the peeling on them. You see, because of Adam and Eve, we enter this world, we enter the world as slaves to sin. It's, it's the dominant force in our life. You say, well, what do you mean? Have you ever looked at children? 
How many of you have to teach your child to lie? Kind of comes naturally. And maybe not just with children, but we'll just stay with children, okay? We rather we teach them what? It's important to tell the truth all the time. I wish I had time to tell you what happened in the nursery with my youngest son one Sunday. Maybe I should. He had watched the movie Home Alone. First mistake. He was alone in the nursery playing with his toys. The nursery attendant, bless her heart, I think she'd been there as long as the building had been. Another child came in the nursery. And my God-fearing son said, I'll give you to the count of three to get where you know the rest of it. You don't have to teach children selfishness, do you? But we do teach them to share. You see, that's that, that's, that's that bent towards sin. That's, that way, that's the way we're born. But folks, listen, it doesn't have to be the way we live. We're born with this heart that's bent towards sin, but praise the Lord, Jesus provided the freedom we need. When Jesus died on the cross, it was the remedy not just for my sins committed, but for the sin problem of my heart. Remember, remember what he's, 1 John 9 says? If we quite confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just, and will do what? Forgive our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two different things that he does. If we come to Christ, repent of our sins, surrender to his lordship, there's both forgiveness of sin and a cleansing from that bent towards sinning that's deep in our heart. That's why the Apostle Paul said that we should not be slaves to sin any longer. We now have this choice whether or not we will sin and will let sin rule our hearts. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can claim victory just as Paul did. He said, but now you're free from the power of sin. You see, Paul, like each one of us, realized that he had a sin problem and he searched to be free from this internal conflict that was going on. We try culture, we try education, we even try religion, if you will, yet we continue to find ourselves unchanged. Now these things, this culture, this religion, educate, it might, it might give the appearance of change outwardly, but we will remain unchanged without the fresh wind and power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Only Christ through his Holy Spirit can set us free from sin. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The same great God who spoke this world into existence can and will deliver us from the grip of sin. We do not have to settle for less. As I mentioned earlier, too many Christians feel that sin is inevitable God's word doesn't support that, folks. What this is, it's a low expectation that undoubtedly has has become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I expect to sin, so I do. As born-again followers of Jesus, we do not have to practice continual sin or keep choosing to willfully disobey God. 
Paul challenges us that sin is no longer what? Our master. Thanks be to God. I, I personally believe that this belief comes from a deluded version of the gospel because it makes it easier for us. We've not been looking to the victory given by Jesus on the cross and the power of his Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. Can I just tell you that that's what Jesus does? He changes us from the inside out. Now we understand and we're aware that it's possible for anyone at any time this side of heaven to yield to temptation and sin. This side of heaven will never be free from the possibility of sin, but we can be free from the power and the mastery of sin. Jesus can change who I am. I used to love to play softball, fast pitch softball. That's real softball. And I played with gusto. And I share this with you because I want you to know how Jesus can change you. I always tried to keep the game fair. If I thought one of the opposing team members were not being fair, I could probably handle it. My temper was right there. And none of you have a problem with this, but just listen to my story. One night in a game, one of the other players from the other team intentionally tried to injure one of our players. I had to do something. I was on deck. I had a bat in my hand. Can I just tell you? I lost it. No, I didn't hit him with the bat. I put the bat down. But I was ready to tear him up. We're driving home from the baseball. Oh, we won the game, by the way. We're driving home from the softball game that night. And Myrna is completely silent. Of course, that's not unusual in the car, but I was like, what's up? And she looked at me with tears in her eyes, and she said, I will never go watch you play softball again. You embarrassed yourself. You embarrassed God. I mean, she preached a sermon just right there. I'm just competitive. That's all it is. No, I had a temper issue. Can I tell you something? I went to Jesus with that temper issue. And I said, Jesus, this isn't like you. Will you take it from me? I surrender it to you. Can I tell you that I never had a problem with anger again? Why? Because the Holy Spirit is willing to work and make me more like Jesus every single day if I will but surrender to him. And if I'll quit making excuses for the things in my life that are not Christ-like. That I'll quit saying, well, that's just who I am. That's just, that's just the way it is in my life. Let me tell you something. That's exactly how I used to live. And it's not what the scripture teaches us.
The scripture teaches us what the Apostle Paul said. Yes, this side of heaven, yeah, is it possible for me to sin? Absolutely. But it's not necessary. You see, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, it says, God's will is what? That I be holy. Accepting this freedom will require me and you to choose to respond to God's call to be holy on a moment-by-moment basis. And only you can make the choice to be completely surrendered to him. From the very beginning of time, God set us apart for himself and determined that we should be a holy people. Folks, this life of holiness begins, yes, it begins way back when you heard the call of God and you responded to his grace and found forgiveness and God through his Holy Spirit drew you to himself. He set you free from the guilt of the sins that you committed, but there is the rest of the story. God not only wants to save you from sins, but continues to call us to holiness. He wants us to be free from the power of the mastery of sin. Let me ask you, do you ever feel dissatisfied with where you are and longing to be more like Jesus? Oh, man. That's the grace of God at work, folks. It's the grace of God at work in your heart and in your mind. Have you ever felt like crying out, God, change me? Well, guess who is putting that desire in your heart? You see, God is as concerned with who you are as he is with what you do. It's all about that we allow God to do in us what he promises to do. And what was it? Ezekiel 36, 27, what did he say? And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk according to my decrees. Robert Frost wrote a poem entitled The Road Less Not Taken. And here's a little quote. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. Every day, we make hundreds of decisions, some more important than others. When God asks us to follow him, we make a decision, we make a choice to obey him. However, if we choose to serve ourselves, we choose sin, and we're choosing to separate ourselves from God. God made it possible for us to choose life when he went to the cross through his son. But to choose to live in holiness is an impossible task under my own power. There's no way I can do it. But the great news is we don't have to do it under our own power. So there was this concert pianist, Paderewski. Maybe some of you know him. Maybe Penny knows who this person is. A great concert pianist. He was giving a concert in this magnificent hall, and, and, and it was filled with all kinds of admirers and fans. And the audience was waiting for the beginning of this, of this concert. And this little five-year-old boy who was at the concert with his parents somehow got loose from mom and dad. That's easy if you got a five-year-old, by the way. 
And all of a sudden, the next thing they see is this five-year-old, amazed at this piano, crawled up onto the stage, got up onto the bench, true story, and began with one finger to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Now, you can imagine that the, the crowd, they erupted into laughter. And the parents, what would you have done? My kid? I don't think so. It doesn't look like me. Oh, they were trying to make their way to the stage to take him off of the stage. But what happened next was priceless. Calmly, Paderewski stepped behind the little boy. And he leaned over and he whispered, don't stop. Keep playing just like you are. And then the great composer reached his arms around the little boy. And he began to Im improvise an accompaniment. And in a few moments, that simple tune became a concerto that filled that hall with beautiful music. Everybody in the house came to their feet in spontaneous applause. In the same way, as we struggle with our weaknesses, the Holy Spirit comes if we will allow him and he wraps his arms around us. And through that presence, he begins to take the things that are in our life and make it something incredibly beautiful. Do you ever wonder, along with me, how you could ever live up to the command that's found in Leviticus 11.44 that says, be holy? Oh, you know, that's one of those pages of the Bible we wish we could just take out. and But it's God's Word. You can, when you surrender everything completely to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The question is the, of the day is, are you living in this victory in your own heart? Or, or, or are there some of us here today that we're carrying around this burden of guilt because the mastery of sin has yet to be broken in our life? Standing fully on the authority of God's word this morning, I want you to know you can enjoy knowing that he will deliver you from the dominion of sin and you no longer have to live your life in habitual sin. Galatians 5, 24 says this, and those who belong to Christ, you ready? Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Belonging to Jesus means our old self is no more. It's been crucified with Christ in order for the desires of our flesh to be brought to nothing. And the result is that we no longer are enslaved to sin, but rather alive unto God. And folks, listen, we can't, we can't do this by tolerating sin, justifying sin, or managing sin in our life. We must put sin to death. And Paul said it in what we read this morning. For we know that our old self was crucified with him 
so that the body ruled by the sin might be done away with. Folks, listen, that's God's word right there. I'm not making this up. God has prepared, has set a way for us to live in victory and not mastered by sin. Well, by opening up my heart to the Holy Spirit, he says he'll cleanse me and he'll set me free. And that's good news. Remember what I said from the very beginning, God has set and desired to set every one of us apart for himself, chosen to live free from the dominion of sin and to be holy. And I realized this morning I realize that we very seldom hear the challenge to live holy like that because it's tough. But the problem is, is we attempt to live this life in Christ on our own. And all Christ asks, all God says, if you'll surrender everything to me, he said, I will put my spirit within you and I'll cause you to walk in my decrees. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you heard Jesus this morning? Rhetorical question, but have you heard Jesus this morning? I believe that there's some that are here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I am so tired of wrestling with the same sin over and over and over in my life. Folks, listen, Jesus never intended for us to live that way. He died on the cross to forgive, yes, but to cleanse us. Oh, will there be struggles? Yeah, ask Myrna. I'm a perfect husband See, there's 365 days in a year, right? I'm probably a perfect husband about seven to ten weeks out of that. Folks, listen, are we going to struggle? Hey, the enemy is going to make sure that he keeps bringing stuff to us. Can I tell you something? When we live in the freedom and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have an additional power source to say, get thee behind me, Satan. And I believe that this morning, you, there's somebody that says, hey, I'm, that's the way I want to live. I'm tired of living. Folks, being a Christian is not coming to church. Being a Christian is not talking to people and say, I know about Jesus. Being a Christian is being sold out 100% of my whole life. And that is what brings victory. When I give myself completely.